Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or naked, or sick or in prison, and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The word of the Lord. Thank you so much. All right. Good morning. It's so good to be with you. And before I get started, I, I must acknowledge I have some dear friends uh, in the audience, the Kirkoff family, and uh, it's so good to see you guys. Andy, he's, he would never tell you this, but uh, is really a mentor to me and uh, took me on uh, when I started at Westminster, and so we are good friends. Matter of fact, we were, we were just uh, last Wednesday sitting on this porch drinking coffee, and he's someone I value time with, and so uh, and Julie and uh, Miss Catherine there, um, it's good to see you guys. So it's a blessing to be here and serve this morning. So I'm going to dive right in. Uh, Pastor Stiller told me that you love long sermons, and so I'm the man for the job. <laughs> yeah, 45 minutes is a light sermon for me. So, you know, so I, you know I'm, a, I'm a black preacher, so, you know, it's like get locked in, baby. Yeah, here we go. That's right. Yeah, the Higgins, you know, yeah, let Pastor Higgins get going. All right, well, it's good to see you. So um, just by way of setting a little... Uh, context for the passage. Um, so we're in, this is coming out of Matthew, and uh, this is, is probably maybe, you know, familiar passage to some of you, but 
um, let, me, let, me, let me just, you know, maybe kind of, uh, you know, uh, set us con- contextually in Matthew so you know where this discourse is coming from. So the book of Matthew presents Jesus as a long-awaited Messiah um, who brought the kingdom of God to earth and is the fulfillment of God's promise to peace on earth. That's Jesus, King Jesus. You read Matthew, it's King Jesus. You know, uh, I don't know if you uh, Kanye West fans out there, a few uh, years back, Kanye comes out with Jesus is King. Right. That's when I knew something. Something's happened to Kanye. I mean, you don't you know, you can say Jesus walks or Jesus is great. But when someone comes out and says Jesus is king, wait a minute, something has either happened or happening. So uh, um, he is indeed king. Um, so the text <laughs> the text that we are dealing with today. Um, so there are five discourses in Matthew um, that Jesus, you know, Jesus, you know, presents. And so. The first uh, discourse in Matthew is the message of the Messiah. Jesus is coming to talk about the message of the Messiah. Then there's the mission of the Messiah. Uh, then there's the mysteries of Messiah's kingdom. And as you think through Matthew, your mind's probably, you know, sliding different passages into place. Um, and then there is the community of the Messiah. That's the fourth discourse. And the discourse that uh, we will look at today is delay, return, and the judgment of the Messiah. So as we think about kings, we think about monarchies, right? We have this fascination in America, like we, you know, we, you know, we are, we are a democratic republic, so we don't, we don't have that. We have this fascination with monarchy. I mean, look at, you know, like, uh, Harry and Meghan, you know, um, there's this fascination with the royal family, even before them, right? You know, this whole thing of monarchy. There is something to that, you know, but, but this, this idea of royalty, right? And there's a weight to that, you know, and even, Uh, When people think about kings and monarchs, even with the queen, you know, like even uh, all the stuff that's going on with Harry and Meghan, you know, there's always this question looming in the background. Sometimes it's not in the background, it's in the foreground of like, what does the queen think? Right? So monarchs, you know, people are concerned about what they think, right? And as we think about our king, you know, and, and, you know, what is it that Jesus, what is the king thinking? What is he? What does he think? You know, we, we, we read scripture and we understand God loves and everything, but like, you know, like, what does he think about what we do? What does Jesus think about what we do? And so I've never stood before a king, and you, you know, you know, probably you haven't either, but I would imagine it could be terrifying, particularly if you were going to have this king or queen make a judgment on your actions, right? I mean, that, you, know, you kind of, you know, tremble there. I remember even when Charles Barkley years ago went to England and saw the queen. You know, here's Charles Barkley, who's unbridled, says whatever he wants. And I remember the video of Charles Barkley walking in like a little nine-year-old kid, right? And, and trying not to miss stuff, right? So you know, we, we feel the weight of that, you know? And so um, I can imagine that could be terrifying. So I've never stood before a king or queen or anything like that, but I have unfortunately had to go to court, stand before a judge, uh, and have the judge look at my deeds, right, and wait for his judgment. And you're probably like, okay, Aaron, what'd you do? I know you guys are, what'd you do, right? Uh, so in short, you know, so me and the kids were driving. This is a few years back, and there was a police car pulled over. Side had pulled someone over. Me and the kids were talking, and by the time I realized that I need to get over, it's too late, and there's cars stacked to my left, and so I can't get over. So I kind of, you know, get over to the left as far as I can, right? So anyway, you're supposed to get over it, you know, uh, you know, courtesy and everything, but also in, in, in some places, it's uh, you have to get over. It's a, it's a law; you'll get a fine. So anyway, cop jumps in the car, flags me down, and cop is ticked. Anyway, so had to go to court. Had to go to court. Um, 
So that's how, that's how we got there. And, and I get into the situation where I have to go before the judge. Um, and so the judge, you know, when you think about going to court, how many of you have been to court? Don't let me out here by myself. Come on. That's right. We're all criminals. Come on at some point or another. <laughs> <laughs> right? Let's, let's destroy that norm. We're all criminals. We've all broken the law. Whether we got caught or not is another thing. Well, I, I got caught. You know, some of you did too. <laughs> um, but here's, this, so here's, here's the thing. So, you know, even as I'm thinking about going to court, I'm in the courtroom, you know, and, I, and, I, and we're all like, you know, you're not there by yourself. There's other people and you're waiting for the judge to come out. <laughs> we're waiting to see what's going to happen to us. You know, we don't know what he thinks about what we've done. In, in our mind, we have all these reasons why we shouldn't get a ticket or pay the fine or whatever, but it only matters what the judge thinks. Only matters. His ruling is only, only one that matters at that point. Um, so it can be a very uh, nervous thing. He's already seen our fine, so we're waiting in anticipation. And I remember even even, you know, you, you, you know, you come in, you know, the judge isn't out there yet. You know, everybody's kind of firing seat and they're telling you where to go. And there's kind of this nervous tension, you know, and people are talking, hey, what'd you do? What'd you, I didn't do it. I'm, I'm innocent, you know, and I'll, you know, you got all that going on, but there's this nervousness, right? And then you hear someone say, all rise. And there's silence. Like, it's just like, it's the weirdest thing. Like, you know, he's just a man and he's got a robe on, but there's something about the weight of his position and uh, the fact that his judgment is final, whatever he decides. So we wait in anticipation. I guess that would be similar to if you were standing before a king to have your deeds judged, you know, and wondering about what he thinks about what you've done and your actions. And so as we look at this passage today, this is what we see the king doing. Now, for those of you who love three-point sermons, I got you this morning. Here we go. Yes! They're like, yes! Right? No one-pointer, two-point, yes! Right? And not a six-point. All right. Although I can, stre- I can stretch it out. Uh, <laughs> but here we go. So what do we see the king doing in our passage? All right. Our king is coming to judge the nations. What a great and terrible day. So, so check this out. Get the weight of this passage. So, so by the way, the Bible, all of it's true, right? You know, we, there's questions about how things, but all of it's true, right? So this passage in Matthew, it's true. It's going to happen. So imagine this, the climax of all creation, Matthew 25, 31 through 47. This is the climax of all creation. Adam, Eve, all of this is building to this moment, right? Catch the weight of that. King Jesus is coming. Indeed, he's coming, right? It's like Mufasa, ooh, say it again, right? The king is coming, right? So imagine this scene, right? For those of you that have a very robust imagination, so conjure up your best George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, CGI scene, right? The king is coming, calling all the nations, right? Right? Sheep on the right. Those on the left. Imagine the scene. But get this. Now, unless you're a better man than I am or a better person, a lot of you are. You're more holier than I am. But I don't know if anybody's ever heard an audible voice from the Lord. Right? Some of you, maybe. Right? (laughs) But even if you have, right, it's not normal. It doesn't happen every day. So check this out. The first time you or I will ever, for the first time, hear the audible voice of our king. It's right here. 
Think about that. This is the first time. Now, without a doubt, some of you have had dreams and visions and different things, but we're talking about the actual king. This is it. Like, this is no dream. or No. The, and he speaks to you. So this ought to captivate us. Like, what are the things that are on his mind? Imagine this. What are the things that are on his mind? Yeah, feel the weight of that. But as we live our day-to-day lives, what happens sometimes, we are sometimes oblivious to this thought. What does a king value? What does Jesus actually value? We think about Bible study, we think about evangelism, we think about, what does Jesus actually value? I mean, have you ever had the thought that it's a little bit off, of, off center of that? Is Like, what does Jesus actually think about me and my actions and the things that I do? I've felt like that before. I've wondered, you know. But this is what we should know for sure. Because the king is the king, right? He is the king. His words are important. His words are important. Because the king is the king, his words are important. And we ought to pay attention to the words of the king. All right, so here's your, you know, you, th- you three-pointers, three-pointers make it rain, three-point sermon people. Here we go. <clears throat> what is the king doing here, right? The king is doing three things. He comes, right? He calls and he commits, right? He's coming, you know, he's actually coming. And then he calls and he commits, So in verses 31 through 33, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Just just like in that courtroom. Like everybody's got a place. They tell you your place when you walk in the door. You're there, you're there. Bailiff knows where the stands, right? Judge knows where his place is. And here, the throne, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. That throne is for him, right? It also indicates he's ready to judge and he is the king. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. That's exactly how it was in the courtroom. Like, you got separated, like, and you have all these questions. Like, you know, like, okay... Mr. Layton, you're over here, and you're like, okay, why am I over here? What, wait, 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 you know, wait, why are they over there? Like, I'm, I'm having all these thoughts. I literally have this, why are they over there? Why am I here? Why am I closer to the front? What does that mean? The king, when he comes, he lets everybody know where they are supposed to be. And he separates people one from another as the shepherd, shepherd separates the sheep, the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. He's coming to judge. There is an anticipation in this passage as the passage moves. The same way in that courtroom, there is anticipation, right, for the judge. And the judge comes out. It is, it was, it, you know, I mean, some of you have been there and you, you just kind of feel the weight of it. What is the judge coming to do? The same thing the king is. Putting things in order, right? He gathers the nations. He separates people. As I said before, there's this anticipation, right? 
And it's clear by his regalia who the judge is. Right? Right? And he's coming, right? Because he's got something to do. He's got a job to do. Right? He's a judge. He puts the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. But what else is he doing? He comes, right? Right? There's a time that he comes, but he also calls. Okay, verses 34 through 40. Right? He calls. Who is he calling? Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, this is the king, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So imagine, don't hear what I'm not saying. Bible study is a necessary discipline. Prayer is a necessary discipline. Evangelism is what we're called called to do. Discipleship, we, all, we ought to be about it, about it. But don't let it be lost in you that the first words that your king says to you are these actions. First words. He didn't talk about how many times you didn't miss church on Sunday or how intently you listened to Pastor Stiller's sermon, and you should. He's a good preacher. But this is not what the king's focus is. It's interesting. I um, I was talking to Stanford University has an RUF, and so they asked me to to speak to a group of their college students. And there were there were a couple of college students that were hung up on you know you mentioned a four letter word, another four letter word in some circles is social justice. I mean, there's some people that just lose their minds over that, you know, right? We're never talking about anything outside of a biblical worldview. But anyway, like, and so anyway, um, there's, you know, one of these Stanford University students is pressing me on, you know, like, what about, like, social justice? Why are you using that term? Isn't that the progressive? I said, how, whatever you want to call it, the people of God have always had a social responsibility to their neighbor. Read Leviticus, Old Testament. I don't care what you call it, but what you can't do or shouldn't do as a believer who is devoted to the Lord is to get out of your responsibility for your social actions towards your neighbor. Right? Because Jesus gets down like this. Like, Jesus comes strong. Like, you got to read Jesus. Sometimes, like, we, you got to read Jesus. Jesus comes strong because he understands, like, we wiggle out of things. So this guy comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what is the, what's the great command? And Jesus, who's brilliant, already knows where he's going. He's already defeated the guy in his thinking before he knows it. And Jesus says, the love your Lord, your God, with heart, soul, mind, strength. And Jesus, no, no extra charge, gives him the second one. The second is like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. 
Jesus doesn't stop there. And he says, on these two, you only got two jobs. On these two, hang all of the law and prophets, everything of substance that the law had to say and where the law was directing, everything the prophets had to say that was of substance and where it was headed to, those two laws. So I'm telling this young man from Stanford University, I don't care what you call it, but the people of God have always had a responsibility socially to their neighbor. That's all I'm talking about, bro. This is all biblical. I said, if you want to throw biblical in front of it, biblical social justice, whatever makes you, but you're accountable. And your king, when he comes back, this is what he's about. He's about this, right? So, you know, I keep going back to this courtroom where, where I'm there. And the king is calling, the judge is calling us forward so that he can tell us about what he thinks, about what we've done. Same thing we see the king doing here. And I remember, like, like some people don't get it. I remember, like, this guy, he was, like, either the first or second guy that gets up, right? And I could, you could just tell by, like, his whole demeanor. There was nothing humble about him. Like, I mean, you could just see him walking up there. They call John Smith, and he walks up. Stands in front of the judge, like, I'm, like, terrified for him. He's, he's, like, ready to go. He's, like, ready to tell the judge all, like, what he didn't do. And he's, like, and the judge is, like, mm, 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 you know, and he's just, like, no, judge, see what happened. And I'm, like, the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up. I'm, like, oh, Lord, the door, you know, floor is going to open up. He's going to drop through, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking in my mind, you don't get it. His judgment's the only one that matters. He's calling you forward. He already knows. He's given you an opportunity to be humble, right? That he might have some grace towards you. And this guy just keeps going back and forth with the judge. I kid you not, didn't make, I'm not making this up. And the judge just says, sit down. I'm like, you messed it up for all of us. Like now he's mad, you know? (laughs) It's like you got the older brother and he made dad mad. You're like, darn it, you made dad mad. Now I'm not asking him anything. Matter of fact, I'm not going in there. He didn't understand that the judge, it's only his thought about this young man's deeds that matter. And here we see there's people on the left and people on the right. What does he say to them? Right? Here's the things that he mentions. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I was sick, you cared for me. When I was in prison, you came to see me. So think about this, about these actions. And it's interesting, you know, those on the right, the sheep, they're confused a little bit. They're like, Lord, what? When did we see you thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you hungry? And this is the beautiful thing about it, right? Now, not for one minute, it, it, this is, it is by grace alone that we are saved. So this is not, you know, this is not by merit. This is not talking about, all right, you can merit your way to salvation, do these works. Oh, absolutely not. They're already believers. This is kingdom living. This is kingdom living. Do you understand that? Though Jesus, you know, talking about those who come to Christ, right? Then there's kingdom living. This is how you should live. 
but they get it. And what excites the king so much, right? They're like, you know, I can just see, you know, just I'm imagining in the face of Jesus. He's looking at those on the right, and they're like, when did we see you do this? And Jesus is like, and the reason the king is excited is this. Like every good king, good father, good parent, when you see those traits that are flowing out of your heart, because that's who you are, he sees that you have the same heart I have. That's what the king said. You have the same heart I had because you weren't even thinking about it. Okay, this is a bait and switch. I'm going to try to get in good with God. No, this is flowing out of your heart. And you did it because your heart is like mine. Oh, and so by the way, here's the thing. Jesus says those who seek to save their lives will lose it. Those who seek to lose their lives will gain it. So when you're thinking about what the Lord has called you to, right, lean into the things that stretch you. For a lot of us, money, giving money is not where we are stretched. It's our time, and it is the company. It's where we're stretched. So, like, allow God to stretch you. This is how you know <laughs> these are probably the things that the Spirit are leading you to do. Is the first time you hear them, there's this repelling on the inside. It's like, hmm. And then we're also kind of adverse to things that will require our time for long periods. But you got to lean into that. You got to lean into it. And I say this not because I'm 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 bragging about it because I'm going to I'm going to tell on myself here so there's this little trailer park out in Chesterfield. Um, it's probably 99% uh, Hispanic, Mexican. Um, parents are, most are not documented. Kids are dreamers, okay? This trailer park is, it was built in the 60s, and some of the trailers are that old, right? I mean, it's, you go in there, you're like, are you kidding me? It's covered up by, you know, kind of canopy of trees. You can't really see it off of the highway except for in winter. But anyway, um, it is just a very, I mean, it just, it, it's very poverty-stricken, right? But there's wonderful families in there. And so our, the, our church, some years ago, the journey started uh, doing a ministry out there. And so I started volunteering. But here's the thing, right? One of the reasons I keep doing it is because it stretches me. I go over there on Thursdays after school, and often it is the last place I want to go. I'm tired been working with kids all day. I'm ready to go see my beautiful wife and eat some food and watch a movie, right? It's the last thing I want to do, but it stretches me, right? It gets me outside of myself, right? And often, I don't leave there feeling good because it, it is a rebuke in so many different ways. It's a rebuke when I think about all the things that I have. It's a rebuke because a lot of times, I mean, the, 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 the kids there, they are very needy, right? Poverty is complicated, right? But a beautiful thing happens sometimes when I'm driving home is, first of all, the Lord breaks me and reminds me of every way that I'm not like him. Every way that I'm not like him. And I say, Lord, have mercy on me. 
and he changes me and gives me enough strength to go and do it again. And my prayer is that he, would do, he is doing something in me. It's not just, okay, I'm going to go help the poor Hispanic people. Now, God's like, I'm transforming you. There's a certain level of holiness and sanctification that you don't get unless you are engaged with people that are messy. And we're all messy. It's just different. But the king here, he sees the heart. right? And some of us are already there. Some of you, this is your heart. That this is what's important to the Father. Again, this is not meriting salvation. This is just kingdom living for us. This is just showing that we have the heart of the Father. So he not only the king not only comes, right, he calls, right, but he commits. Like there's this judgment piece of this. Verses 40, verse 44 says this. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? And this is the group on the left, the goats, a stranger naked, sick or in prison, and did not minister to you. Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Right. I, I remember... Um, I, I like watching 2020 and Dateline and things like that, right? And, it, and, it, and, and you may think this is kind of bizarre, but like it, it actually, when I watch shows like that, it actually um, <clears throat> it gives me a greater confidence in theology. And you're like, what? Okay. Because what you often see played out in those shows is expect exactly what, in, in a two-hour block, of, of what fallen man does. And you see these things, you know, you see, you know, you know, all of these, you know. And, I, and some of you probably remember this trial. This is a Scott Peterson trial. I think it's happened maybe, I don't know how long it's been now, maybe 25, 30 years. But it was, it was you know, a gentleman who, you know, they suspected that he, you know, um, killed his wife and, you know, all these different things. And it was interesting because, you know, like during the, during the trial, like, you know, people are going back and forth, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, you know, and he's got his defense attorney. But, <clears throat> you know, they come down to the sentencing, you know, and his sister-in-law, who was hoping that he would get off, said she just wasn't prepared for when the judge read what the jury had come up with, and, she, and he said, Guilty. And she said, she said, in my mind, I said, well, I must have missed the not guilty. But she realized that the judge said guilty. And she said she, rem- she remembered thinking, it's final. It's just like the king here. His judgment is final. For the unrighteous in heart, right, they did not operate. They did not have a heart that's like his. Right? So let me say this to you, and this is to me too. This is all of us. Hey, if there are things going on in your heart, like if for whatever reason your heart is hard, like if you're angry and restless all the time, it's an indication that something is not right. Particularly if it is towards other people. Hey, great book, by the way. Andy Stanley's book, Enemies of the Heart, I think I read it over and over again, talks about the four enemies of the heart. I highly recommend it to every one of you, 
The four enemies of the heart, guilt, anger, jealousy, and greed. It's an incredible book. But here, the goats and left, they don't have the heart of the father. They don't have the heart of the king. So they go into eternal punishment and the righteous into eternal life. All right, as I close, my first closing. <laughs> I get three, you know. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like mulligans, you know, <laughs> for you golfers. So here's, as we think about application. So here's what I, I want you to do. First of all, in your Bible reading, Always find time, no matter what you're reading, read Jesus. I love Matthew's because it's got the Beatitudes and Jesus is just like hitting all these little sermonettes. Like, go through that. It does something to you. Like, you know, some of us, and it's, I, I know this is, this is, it's almost like we operate in the scriptures kind of secondhand. And what I mean by that is like, you know, it's like, it's, it's so easy to kind of go to the passages that we kind of want to go to and the books we want to read. Like Jesus is, is, make no mistake, the devotion that Jesus is asking for is like this. You know what Jesus says? Unless you hate father and mother, you are not worthy of me. Now someone's going to want to pick that apart. What did he actually? Okay, so here's the thing, right? He's talking about devotion. Doesn't mean you actually have to hate your father. No, no, no. But you get the point, the punch of that devotion. There's no other loyalty that is worthy of your attention over mine. So anyway, the first thing is read Jesus. Whenever you're reading, read Jesus. And look at the things that Jesus pays attention to. Your king, look at the things that he pays attention to. Right? They'll reveal what's important to him. So he specifically told you some of these things. And some of you, these things already flow out of your heart. Right? You're already doing these type of actions, right? You're connected with people. You have a heart of love, right? You know, um, um, you, you are mentoring, you're seeking out, you're visiting people in prisons and things like that. You're, you're, you're doing those things. I would say lean even, even more. Because guess what? The more you are willing to give, the more God is willing to take. It's not like God's going to say, look, oh, no, you're good. It's like, no, Lord, I feel like I can give more. I feel like I can give more of myself. He's, okay. But he loves it because he's like, yes, you have a heart like mine. Of course, feed the hungry. Give water to the thirsty. Welcome strangers. That's a big one. Clothe the naked and sick. And, and, and do things for people that can't do something for you. Okay. He's also called, us this Proverbs 31, 8 and 9, to be a voice for the voiceless. Right? To defend the rights of those who are destitute. Hey, advocacy advocacy the same way jesus was our advocate right you couldn't do nothing about your sin situation i couldn't either and your advocate jesus pulls you to the side let's just tell you what <clears throat> i know the judge all right me and you we're gonna make a deal if you're willing how about you put your total trust in me you're no longer gonna live your life for yourself you're gonna live it for me right and i'm gonna be your advocate and we're not only we're not going to get your penalty we're not going to get your your penalty reduced right we're going to get it removed. What? How are you going to do that? Because I'm going to take it. 
I'm going to take it. You good with that deal? I'm good with that deal. Are you good with that deal? Oh, yeah, I'm good with it. Because I love you. And I see you in a different way than maybe you see yourself right now. You're precious to me. Advocate. So advocacy, like where your voice and whatever sphere of influence you have, you are able to use on the benefit of that other person. Advocacy. And that's sometimes, since we're talking about these actions socially, a lot of times that's where... Hey, true advocacy. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 over, I'm, I'm doing the black preacher thing. Sorry. Here we go. <clears throat> I am wrapping it up. Advocacy, true advocacy, costs you something. That's why we don't see it. Like, I, I, let me just, let me just, let me just, for minorities, a lot of times in these situations, whether they be legal, all of this stuff is going on, a lot of times... The issue we have with our white brothers and sisters and others is it's like, where is your voice when it costs you something? Hey, people don't mind speaking it up, protesting, right? That's, that's all great. That's dope. Do it. But when it costs you something. See, people don't mind giving when it doesn't come out of, you know, their butt, you know? That's why advocacy is, you know what? I'm going to risk the social clout, right? Because guess what? If you are advocating for certain things, you're going to get put out the group. That's why people don't do it. You're not getting invited to the next barbecue. You show up on work on Monday, everybody's talking about the barbecue. Like, wait a minute, I wasn't invited. Oh, we just forgot. No, we don't like what you're talking about. We don't like what you're standing for. Advocacy, cost, that's why not many people are willing to do it. They get up to that line, and they're like, oh, snap. Because all a co-worker at work has to do is says, oh, oh, you're rolling with them now. Hmm, I get your Black Lives Matter button on. Hmm, okay. That's cool, right? So they're going to punish you. Your family's going to punish you when they come over. If, they don't, if, you don't, if you don't get back in line. But you do what's right. And that's where you lean on the Lord. Lord, I feel like this is where I need to use my voice. I'll leave it up to you. You are sovereign over all. Let the chips fall where they may. That's what Jesus did. We want to be like Jesus. So pray that the Lord will give you direction out of his heart to be like he is. So in conclusion, right? So you may want to wonder, like, okay, what happened with the court, right? You know, the judge throw the book at you. So here's what happened. So the court procedure is going along. Different people are coming up. And at one point, I still don't understand that some of you that may know law know how this, you know, local law works. Um, at some point, the, I'm guessing he's the county prosecutor or whatever, whoever the person who, uh, and is, stands up and he goes, if I call your name, literally call, it says, come and stand to my right. I'm already super nervous, and I'm like, oh, I bet I'm going to be in that line. So sure enough, I'm like the third person, Aaron Layton. I'm like, oh, God, I have no idea. They don't tell me what's going on. So there's a group, about 10 of us that line up, and said, line up, and he says, okay, follow me down the hall. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm kidding you not. I am nervous. I'm like, <laughs> and so, exactly. I'm thinking, man, like, you know, <laughs> I didn't even prepare for this. I didn't tell my wife. <laughs> We'd be put in jail. So we walked down this hall, and there's about 10 of us. And I'm like the, 
I'm like the fourth or fifth person. And I don't know what, like the people are going in the room and you can't hear. And then they walk out. I don't know what's going on. So finally, I get in the room. County prosecutor's there. And he says, Mr. Layton, he goes, tell me what happened. <laughs> so He's got my file right there. I don't know if he's trying to see if I was going to tell a lie or whatever. But anyway, like, I start telling the story. Kid you not, he cuts me off. Ah, no, whatever. Okay. He's like, Mr. Layton, we're, we're going to let you go. He goes, I'm looking at your file. He goes, we're going to let you go. I mean, I, I moved as fast as I could. I'm like, before he could change his mind. I have no idea. But the only thing I could come up with as he looked at my file, he looked at my deeds, and he judged him. He said, you know, here's a guy, you know, hasn't been in trouble with the law. Here's the situation. This is what he says happens. Yeah. I'm judging that he's good. You know, he doesn't, you know, have to. And I, and I leave out of there. And so he judged, and I'm sure the judge was able to look at it as well. They judged that in that case, my deeds were good. Kind of like the king comes to judge our deeds, right? The king is coming to judge the people of the earth, and he will separate and call all people out. Being about the king's business before he comes, not because of the works in and of themselves, make you righteous, not because of the works, but because in your case, the works reveal that you indeed are like the king and you have his heart. Here's my prayer for you and my prayer for us. You can close your eyes as I pray this. My king, I desire to do all that your word today has revealed to me. I desire to feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, welcome the stranger, clothe the naked, visit the sick, and visit those in prison. Give me direction and lead me to those who are in need and help me serve them sacrificially. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.